Welcome back. The promised short take on Seoul and the DMZ was delayed and will be posted next weekend. I hope you come back then for that episode. As a listener caution, this episode includes some experiences that some may find troubling. On to this week. We're going to focus on continuing growing up in Chateaugay, including my job working with cheese and how one teacher looked out for me through high school. There are so many other stories about the farm and some of the craziness. There's no doubt we figured out a lot of things and the growth of the farm was a pretty heavy burden. Of course, we were also getting older and in some ways it came, it came hand in hand. It wasn't always sunshine and roses. Farm life is hard. When I see farmers in the news, I have a passionate understanding of the challenges they face. While mine are likely atypical, the core of farming is the same. The song, reach out and touch somebody's hand, everyone should reach out to a farmer and make this world a better place, if you can. A factor that certainly impacted farm life was moving up through school. By the time I was in high school, and even just before that, another challenge came about. We all know about high school cliques, the popular kids, the athletes, the natural leaders, and so forth. What was different for me is that high school opened my eyes to how being an Asian American could be rough. Ah, I forgot to tell you what happened to all those chickens. You may remember the flock grew and grew quickly with the 4-H and FFA free chicks program. We did use the eggs, dozens and dozens of them. Roosters, however, had a different path. Mom again gave me and my brother a choice. Who would bring those chickens to their ultimate demise or... Who would clean them once they were headless? I couldn't do the first. I just couldn't. My brother, chop, 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 and he was done. We would do between 25 and 50 chickens at a time. Somehow, my sister and I had the chicken plucking and cleaning duty. Okay, this was not fun. Believe me, it's a lot of chickens. There is a key trick, though. They must be cleaned without breaking the sack with the bile. Otherwise, the whole chicken couldn't be used. Anyway, sometimes well past dusk, we're cleaning chickens. While it wasn't the most fun in a day, when we were done, they were cleaned up and ready to be packaged for freezing. I would line them up along the sink with their wings on the shoulder of one next to the other, like a choreographed line of singers or dancers. And okay, that part was fun. While we're not leaving the farm behind, my journey continues forward in the next few years. Let me take a moment and ask Marcus what was the one lesson that he learned most importantly from our time on the farm. When you're on a farm and you've captivated some animals, you own the responsibility for taking care of those animals. And that's the other thing that I look back on with gratitude right now is the fact that that experience made me realize that what I do has to matter. It matters how good you do it. It matters whether you do it right or whether you don't do it. It matters. And that's how I've looked at my life from, from that point on. Everything that I've done, I know when I'm, when I'm working, when I'm, when I'm dealing with life, it matters. It matters to somebody. Those animals couldn't take care of themselves. They needed us to do it, so it mattered to them. And it doesn't matter to me whether it was people or not, because sometimes I like animals more than I like people. 
Thank you again, Marcus, for that insight. I'm sure you remember that in late winter and early spring, since we wanted to have the kids born in that sweet spot to sell before Greek Easter, a lot of kids were born pretty close together. With so many, the granary building couldn't always hold them all, so at least one year we put up baby gates to turn part of the dining room into pens for newborns for those first few weeks because it was just too cold in northern New York. Your point is spot on. We learned a lot about hard work and responsibility. It was hard work and to be fair, sometimes we didn't always enjoy some days because farming is difficult. Going through my teen years, I experienced incredible love and support as a teenager at home and frankly was almost too busy to worry about things I didn't even really know about. Before I graduated from high school, three of my siblings finished school and two of them go off to explore their own world. One stayed at the farm for a few more years, not an unusual approach in rural America. I'm one of the kids that liked school. As I recall, I had very good teachers and liked to learn new things, although I really don't like to read. My secret is that I test well. Most of the teachers were passionate and caring, and a couple in particular became mentors and helped me in ways I didn't fully understand until much later. I suspect that's the same for many who have had the chance to sit in a classroom of an exceptional teacher. My brother was smarter than I, and toward that end, he doubled up his math, or it might have been science. And because of sibling rivalry, I took geometry, trigonometry, chemistry, and physics in my junior year. It was a very tough academic year. In fact, I even had the same teacher for a couple of the classes. Of the four, trig was definitely the most challenging one for me. By now, you know that when we moved to the farm, we were the only family with kids that weren't white. Our family had five Asian American kids, and it was not like when we were in Ellenburg because we grew up in the neighborhood and with the kids that were in our school. So, the experience was very different. For me, High school had several great experiences and several bad ones. In 10th grade, I was assaulted in the gym locker room. Most notably, I was attacked by a small group of boys who made me their target in between classes. I'll try to paint the picture of the school building. We had to move between classes with some on the upper floor and some on the lower floor. In that time frame, during the movement of students between classes, some of the teachers stood outside their classroom to help monitor student behavior. Going through the halls was generally fine. It was in the stairwells that I would be attacked on a regular basis. They would find new ways to torture me and I would go as fast as I could to try to avoid being in the stairwells. And sometimes I was successful, sometimes they left me alone, and sometimes I would experience what today we would call bullying. Remember I mentioned one of the benefits of being in library club? Well, when I could, I would go to the library because as a member, I could go to the office and it was a safe place. Over time, the stairwell incidences seemed to reduce in frequency. Mrs. Davis, the biology teacher, had her classroom on the corner before you went down the stairwell. She switched and stood on the left side of the classroom so she could partially keep an eye on the stairwell. I didn't realize this until much later. She definitely kept an eye out for me, and I will never forget her. 
As is the case, as is the case with most high schools, biology is the science in 10th grade. Biology wasn't my strong suit, and I really didn't much care for it, especially when it came to the reptiles and the dreaded dissecting of frogs. Nevertheless, Mrs. Davis asked me if I wanted to be a student helper. Several teachers had student helpers that would help in the classroom instead of study hall. As you can see, that Mrs. Davis's teaching prowess was done in a way that seemed typical when, in fact, she was looking out for me. Her guidance actually continued six years later. When I finally got to college, I tested out of several courses through the College Level Examination Program, or CLEP, and there'll be more about that later. Biology was the sticking point. I would pass with a high enough score for the general guideline for passing. The college I was attending, however, had a higher score to be qualified to test out of science. College science, as most of you know, is a two-semester course. So after two tries, I had to either pass the test or take, take the classes. There was a time lag between when you could also take the test. I called on Mrs. Davis. I explained my dilemma and asked her what textbook she would recommend studying to pass the CLEP exam. Of course, she was familiar with CLEP, and her response was, why not just take biology? Well, I wiggled out of that question, and she recommended a book to study. Once again, she gave me perfect advice. I passed with a high enough score the next opportunity that I, had to, that I was allowed to take the test, and it kept me on track. We all have teachers that changed our lives. For me, it was Mrs. Davis and Mrs. Hotchkiss, the librarian that I shared with you in episode 8. I've often thought about how I was treated in high school. In hindsight, here's what I came up with after experiencing several forms of racial bias in my lifetime. Of my brothers, one had less definitive Asian features and the other was an athlete and older. Both were bigger than I was. I was a small-framed Asian kid who wore glasses, wasn't particularly athletic, and was relatively introverted. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't really know. It was about this time, though, that I would often, often, look in the bathroom mirror, crying, and wishing I wasn't Asian. There are people who experienced more painful experiences than I did in high school, and some have had, had similar experiences. When I've read those stories, it gives me more reason to create this podcast in hopes someone will find solace in it or understand they are not alone in their own purple rain. These experiences do not go away. Sure, with time, they become more distant. While it might not be a kid bullying another kid, there are plenty examples of adults bullying each other. Sometimes it's physical, more times it's not. It's actions and verbal innuendo. There has been well-documented assaults of all kinds toward Asian Americans, and I share a bit of one lens of why this happens in the last episode. During the COVID pandemic, there was an escalation targeting Asians and Asian Americans. There has been plenty written about this, and the reality, the reality is that it is both real and a concern of national proportion. 
It's easy to tell someone to let it go, to move forward. It's not bad advice. The reality is that sometimes our future is shaped by our past. Look for the rainbow and what those represent. Muster your strengths and try as hard as it may seem to unload the rocks out of your backpack. It's not easy. I know. I carry some of those rocks in my own backpack. High school, in some ways, was a tough time in my life. And more purple rain. While there were some negative aspects of high school, there were many positive ones as well. I was inducted into the National Honor Society. My activities in library club led to participation in a number of school and community events. I even found some old newspaper clippings of some of them that I'll post with the episode photos. I was on the prom committee and participated in science fairs. Today, I do minor electrical work, have tiled bathroom floors and light plumbing from what I learned way back from shop. There was one project in shop that we had to make something with pottery. The thing was that we had to pay for the supplies that we used. Since we didn't have a lot of extra money, I made a tiny single flower vase. It was about two or three inches tall. It had a blue flower painted on it, and I gave it to mom as a gift. Okay, it was a gift that she had to give me the money so I could reimburse the school. I remember it was the lowest cost item in the class with my craftiness of making something so tiny. Other good memories was that I was always able to skip study hall and help out different teachers like with Mrs. Davis. I liked that a lot. You helped with classrooms by tidying up or arranging and preparing for the next class. Despite the challenges of the stairwells and the locker room, going to school in a small town certainly had its benefits. Our family didn't have a system for monetary allowances. We really didn't need money because our needs were well provided for. In fact, I remember how much food mom would make, often with the help from some of us. Working on the farm meant big appetites, and I remember sometimes we would eat so fast just to get additional servings. And the food just didn't seem to ever run out. As the family grew, so did the pots that were needed, and some of them were really huge. Even so, a few dollars was used for when we went to the store to buy the things like kids will do. When I was in Ellenberg Center, I used to help open boxes when deliveries came and the owner would give me a little package of pretzel sticks. Okay, it really wasn't a job. I was just helping him out to get the snack. When we moved to the farm, I would collect discarded soda and beer cans and turn them in for the refund on the aluminum. I'd use an old feed sack and that worked out pretty well because... People littered all the time along that major highway. We also got money for birthdays and holidays from grandparents that we usually had to put most of it into savings. That was a good lesson learned early on that saving for a rainy day is important. Maybe it was because grandpa was a banker or because my parents grew up during the depression. One thing I really liked was getting mail. I would send off all those free postage cards for pamphlets and catalogs and all kinds of junk mail. Of course, once you get on the list, the junk mail really starts flowing. The other thing I did, as I learned in civics class, citizens should write to their elected officials and express their opinion. 
Of course, the recipient doesn't always realize the sender is a kid. Oh, who, by the way, can't vote. One time, I wrote to the President of the United States. At the time, Russia had done something, and I don't remember exactly what they did, but I had learned in school that historically, there were times that the United States would withdraw diplomats as a show of dissatisfaction with an issue with a particular country. Armed with bits of knowledge, and of course, not a comprehensive worldview, my letter to the president was that we should close the embassy and attack. I was very forceful in my letter. Well, as forceful as a teenager can be. One day, I arrived home, and Mom looked quite a bit angry. She asked me, have I written to anyone recently? Well, that's a loaded question. She knew I had because I needed uh, stamps to mail my letters. Well, I said, I wrote to the president. Yep, that was the one. The Secret Service visited the house when I was at school. I guess some feathers were ruffled. After quite a bit of negotiation with mom, I was able to take a part-time job to make a little money to prepare for getting started after high school. That job was at the McAdam Cheese Factory in Chateaugay, New York. McAdam was a big employer in Chateaugay. I was really excited, as you'd expect. McAdam processed cheese for lots of companies. A small amount of cheese had the McAdam label. Right next to that one will be the label for Kraft, local grocery store chains, etc. That was one of my first lessons. The same cheese had all these different labels. That was good information. Not only was it my first real job, it was working in a union environment. While I wasn't a member of a union, it was pretty sweet. First, the pay is higher. Second, break time is set. And by break time in those days, it meant smoke break. So, what was my job? My first job was a cheese wrapper. The 42-pound block of cheddar cheese would come around on a conveyor belt. The stop before mine was to put the cheese on a large sheet of special paper. When it got to our stop, I was on one side and another guy was on the other. As the cheese came by, it was my job to push in the sides of the wrap, bring up the tip, and tape it. That was it. It wasn't hard work, and it wasn't like the Lucy Chocolate, Fa Lucy Chocolate Factory episode where the cheese would come around faster and faster. It came around at a steady, easily workable pace. It was repetitious, and yet it was still fun. It was good to learn how your small part in this huge factory fit into the processing of cheese. The cheese would continue on its way and the wrapped cheese would be put in a box and set on a pallet. By break, there would be a full pallet and the start of the next. When it was break time, one person had to stay back and wheel the pallet into the cold storage room. Since I didn't smoke, and it seemed like a good change of pace, I volunteered to take the pallet into the storage room. Most of my co-workers were much older than I was, and they looked forward to the break. So when I volunteered to take the pallet into the storage area, I quickly became the guy for the job when I was working. It only took a few minutes, and then I would join the rest of the crew outside inhaling secondhand smoke. 
There was a lesson that I learned that lasted my whole life. When you lean forward to do something to advance the mission, it is nearly always met with a positive result. In this case, soon there came an opportunity, and I was selected to advance from cheese wrapper in pretty short order. Munster cheese is cured in a brine, and the cheese floats on the top. The cheese had to be poked to turn it over, so it cures on both sides. That was my new job, poking cheese. Now, that may not sound like a promotion, but it was certainly more entertaining than wrapping cheese, and it was an important job and one where I had autonomy. If you've heard any of my speeches, this story is often integrated as a lesson about leaning forward. That was the biggest gift from this job. The example I like to give as advice is this: There's going to be a call for volunteers to help with the holiday party. It's not a bad opportunity. It can be time-consuming and sometimes tedious, but here's the best part: It's going to go well. Everyone will have a good time, and the boss is going to recognize the event committee. The recognition isn't so much for doing a great job; it's for leaning forward to advance the mission. Working in Macadam was a pretty good gig, and just as I learned something from my purple rain, I learned much more from the bright rainbows. Every job we have tells a story, whether you're an, whether you're a C-suite employee or the newest intern. It's how you contribute to the organization and its mission that matters. When I had jobs where I had to mop the floor, I did so knowing that it wasn't if it wasn't done properly, somebody might slip and fall. When I washed dishes, I knew that if my work was sloppy, someone could get sick. When I was a senior leader, I knew that my demonstrations of integrity would shape how the organization approached integrity. In the next episode, I'm going to finish school and start my own adventure, a new adventure, with the Air Force. Episode photos are posted on Twitter and Instagram. This episode is dedicated to Mrs. Davis. Teachers become teachers to help students. Mrs. Davis did more than help me. She looked out for me, and she protected me. Until next time. The Boy in the Trash Can podcast is a production of CSJ Associates.